Hey, this is Ryan Fitzpatrick, and you are listening to the EA Podcast with Eric Allen. Take it away, EA. All right, Chad. Pennington joins me, as always, his weekly appearance on the EA Podcast. Chad, first things first, news out of Florham Park here on Wednesday. The Jets place Eric Decker on injured reserve. Your thoughts? Well, I know that there are different rules on injured reserve now uh, than there were when I was playing, but uh, obviously it's a slight blow to the uh, armor of the Jets offensively, um, no doubt about it, when you lose a high-quality player like Eric Decker, uh, who means so much to your offense and to all the players in the huddle. It's a blow, but... uh, you know, as a team, you can either look at it as a challenge or you can look at it as an opportunity if, if you're a guy who hasn't had many opportunities to now show what you can do and how you can contribute to uh, help the team win. So um, uh, it's one of those things where it's, it's certainly tough for Eric, tough for the team, but also it's time for someone else to step up and, and help out. Why did Fitzpatrick have such good rhythm with and chemistry with Decker off the bat, take us back to last year when Fitz obviously had 31 touchdown passes, but both he was in sync with Marshall and Decker immediately, and that carried into the 2016 season as well. Well, I think both receivers are very quarterback friendly, and when you say that, uh, what you mean by that is that um, – they uh, have a mindset like a quarterback when they run routes. And so when they run routes, they understand where the quarterback's trying to put the ball. They understand positioning with their body. And quarterbacks uh, like Patrick, they, they trust receivers like that because they know that you know, when they let go of the ball and it's going to a receiver like Decker or Marshall, that uh, normally good things are going to happen. Very rarely do bad things happen. The only bad thing that can happen would be an incomplete. But very rarely does an interception happen uh, or anything like that. So uh, it's a trust level. Sometimes you can't explain that between quarterback and receiver. It just happens naturally. Um, you just have a, a natural affinity for a guy or a natural feel for a guy. And then other times it's, it's something that you've worked on. Uh, through the years and through practices and things like that. But with these two guys, I think with Fitzpatrick, it just happened naturally. He just really had a great feel for those two receivers. I think because of their body types, number one, how they run routes and and, and their catching ability, I think he developed a quick trust in those guys. Uh, All right, Chad. The big word this week has been finishing for the team as a whole, but when you think about the offense inside the opponent's 20, last year number three in the National Football League, in terms of finishing with touchdowns. This year, the Jets' red zone offense, they're completing just 40% of those drives inside the 20 with touchdowns. So that makes them tied for 14th this year. And now you take Decker out of the equation. How big of a challenge is this for Chan Gailey and Ryan Fitzpatrick? Well, that certainly hurts because uh, Eric Decker's production in the red zone was tremendous last year, and uh, he uh, was someone that Ryan really trusted. And you have to have uh, even a higher trust level in the red zone because the space is more confined. Um, You don't have a lot of uh, room to operate, and so your anticipation level has to be even greater. Um, And you've got to trust that if if you're wrong as a quarterback that your receiver is going to make you right. Uh, and how he runs routes and things like that. And so uh, when you lose,
receiver like uh, Decker in, in that area, that really hurts. And so now I think the running game has to come to the forefront. The running game's got to help out in the red zone to uh, create more goal line situations inside the five, get the running game to get that ball inside the five where you can either pound it in or you can uh, use different personnel groups and be creative that way. Uh, you also have to use those running backs in the passing game and be able to get them one-on-one uh, with these linebackers because we know that Brandon Marshall is going to see more and more double-team coverage with Decker out. And then Anunua has now have to, he has to be able to step into that role of Eric Decker and be able to make some plays down there as well. Yeah, Anunua right now, he is the Jets' number two receiver going forward until Decker comes back, of course, and then – you can rank them any way you want, but as far as the way opponent defensive coordinator is going to look at the Jets, like you mentioned, obviously they go to 15 first, but now it's Quincy Inunua as that second target. He actually leads the Jets with 27 receptions, and I said this on Inside the Jets uh, the other night, and I repeated it on one of our website, uh, website videos on NewYorkJets.com that He's been one of the bright spots here early this season for a 1-4 club. Leads the team with 27 receptions, and he continues to flash, I think, each and every week. He certainly does. Uh, there has been a little bit of inconsistency, but not as much as last year. He's been able to become more consistent, uh, make some plays, and so that, that's a very positive thing for the future of the Jets when you're looking at the receiving core and, and your younger players starting to produce, and so that's good. And and now that production even has to increase even more. It's not necessarily in volume of catches that it has to increase. It's going to have to increase uh, in situational uh, awareness and, and in critical situations where uh, the, the third down, the red zones, the plays that truly matter in a game and affect a game uh, where the, the focus will be on Brandon Marshall. Now Noonwall really has to come to the forefront and make those big plays to keep drives alive and put points on the board. How do you establish more chemistry if you're Fitz? Because you're breaking in a lot of new players right now. Austin Safarian Jenkins, he made a couple catches against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I like what I've seen of him, what I've seen of him in limited time. Big dude, can run, looks fluid in, as far as a route runner is concerned. But then you have the rookie receivers again, Robbie Anderson, Jerron Peake, who are going to be dependent on as you move forward, the Jets just made a waiver claim this week, uh, acquiring a former Baltimore Raven, Jeremy Butler. Uh, we'll see how he factors into the equation. Forte, while he's a vet, and obviously he's made quite a smooth transition, he's new to the offense as well. So there's a lot of new moving parts. And what I think is overlooked in all this, too, is the Jets have been shuffling up front all year. Ben Igelon is playing right tackle. Breno Giacomini started this year on the pup list. Brent Qualley was alternating series with Igelon at right tackle, but with winners out with the concussion, he was at right guard, and then Nick Mangold went out Sunday with the knee injury, so Wesley Johnson had to come into the ball game. So there's a lot of moving parts for Ryan Fitzpatrick right now. No doubt about it, Eric, and that makes it extremely tough for continuity within the offense. It makes it extremely tough for the quarterback to establish rhythm. I think the biggest challenge as a quarterback when you're dealing with a lot of changes is to still remain an equal opportunity quarterback. Sometimes what you can do when you start to lose some of your key 
guys is that you start to just focus on the guy that you're very familiar with, and then you start to force the ball on the coverage. And so the biggest challenge for a quarterback is to, yes, you know, most of our plays will be designed to get it to our number one and number two guys, but when they are covered, I have to trust these third and fourth guys to be able to at least make some simple plays for me, whether it be in the check down game or the underneath game, uh, whatever it may be, allow them to make a few plays a game for me uh, to keep the defense a little bit loose at least and to keep me as a quarterback from making bad decisions. That, that's the biggest thing. What do you make of Fitz's game in Pittsburgh? The Jets moved up and down the field in the first half. Four consecutive drives in plus uh, territory. We're only able to come up with the 13 points. Two Nick Folk field goals, and then Brandon Marshall makes the great play off uh, over the cornerback Ross Cockrell there in the corner of the end zone, plays a tip drill, uh, tremendous uh, reception on his part. But then in the second half, and we've seen this lately from the Jets, on both sides of the ball, they kind of get stymied. So what do you make of Fitzpatrick's game in Pittsburgh? Well, I thought that uh, his Saturday or Sunday performance against Pittsburgh uh, was a winning performance. And um, other than the Buffalo game, it was his second-best performance of the season. And if he would have had those type of performances throughout the season every game, they would not be 1-4. and four. They would be more like 3-2. and two. And so uh, that's the type of play that, that Ryan has to expect from himself week in and week out. doesn't have to be gaudy numbers, but it, it can't be – disastrous numbers at, uh, either and so that was a consistent efficient performance uh, I think where the Jets stymied themselves I don't think the Steelers stymied them uh, the Jets at all I think Jets stymied themselves drop balls a misread here or there um, you know really in crucial situations on third down where drives would stay alive keep the Steelers offense off the field when you've got an offense like Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers you have to keep them off the field that's the best defense against that and those are some critical situations especially in the second half where the Jets offense did not do that even if you don't get points you you're, you keep the Steelers off the field and they did not do that and so they stymied themselves I did not see a game where the Steelers just really took it to the Jets from a defensive standpoint I felt like the Jets had a good game plan they executed it uh, for the most part um in a B-type level where the couple of plays here and there could have put, put them in that A-minus uh, category to give themselves a better chance to win. All right, let's go to Twitter. Rapid fire here with Chad Pennington on the EA Podcast. This comes from Sean, who's a monster Jets fan down in Australia, down under. Guys, on both sides of the ball, what is the most important thing that needs to be cleaned up going forward in 2016? Great question. Uh, defensively, it is still the big play, uh, eliminating the big play. The Steelers still had another big play on the Jets um, at the beginning of the game. And then offensively, it's actually creating a big play. We're not seeing any chunk plays at all, whether it be in the running game or the passing game. And what that does for an offense doesn't necessarily win you the game. It just gives you some breathing room. It changes field position. It, it keeps it from having to be such an uphill battle with just four- and five-yard gains all the time. So that's that's very important. So the big play on both offense and defense, uh, to me, is, is something that's a point of emphasis. Uh, Kevin writes in on Twitter, it appears that many players have regressed from last year. Why do you think that is? 
I don't know if I see it as regression as just more uh, you know, lack of execution and production. Um, and uh, sometimes that happens with a team because you have a successful team who kind of creeped up on teams uh, the previous year. This year, there is no creeping up on anybody. They know who you are. They have a full year of film on you to see who you are as a team, what your coaching staff is about. And so now your level of production, execution, concentration has to be stepped up. And you can't just count on the, the same things that happened for you the previous year aren't going to happen that same way. And so there's no doubt in my mind that the Jets should be sitting here at 3-2, and two, not 1-4, and four, if that's the case. And so I don't see regression as much as I see just not executing and doing what you're supposed to do. All right, so quickly, there was a lot of talk on, uh, about this subject this week, and you know better than anybody about revisionist history. Somebody asked on Twitter, what, uh, can you review the four three-and-outs that gave Bowles confidence to punt on fourth and two? A lot of people talked about coach's decision to punt there on fourth and two. It's 24-13 at that moment. You're close to midfield. I'm sitting there in the press box, Chad, and you can call me a homer if you want. I know who I'm employed by. But I, I didn't have a problem with the decision because I'm thinking, you don't get it. It's fourth and a long two. The Steelers have been moving the ball, and you're at least giving up three. You might give up a touchdown there. I don't, I don't know. I, I thought, you know, you pin them back deep. Maybe you get a good punt, great coverage. There was a couple times the Jets failed to actually pin the Steelers back when they had uh, some players down there on Lachlan Edwards, a couple of his uh, booming kicks. So you play field position there, maybe you get the ball back at the 50 relatively quickly. I know a lot of people, revisionist history, they're talking about the fourth and two a lot this week. Yeah, and I think, is, was that the fourth and two with the, at the 11-minute mark or at the seven-minute mark? It, it was at the, uh, about the seven-minute, I believe. Yeah, the seven-minute yeah. mark. Uh, and, and that's... And I, I don't know. I don't even know if that was. It was more like the 35ish, was it not? So that was a tough situation where you know, if it's more on the 50 or the 45 going in, I could certainly see that. But on the 35ish, 40ish, a couple of yards, and they've got three more points on you uh, without having to do anything offensively, much less with the big big play capability that they already have. Um, so that was, I certainly thought about that as I was watching the game would this be a situation where you could go for it there uh, if it was a little bit closer I think they certainly would have two is much different than inside a yard there's no question about that um, but, uh, but I agree with, with it being a 24 to 13 game two scores and you win and so uh, within seven minutes you should get the ball back by five you can go down kick field goal stop them and then either have a touchdown drive or vice versa on that with a field goal drive. So uh, I did not completely disagree uh, with that call at all, but I could certainly see where the thought could cross your mind about going for it on fourth down. I, I think it's one of those ones, tough spots. I think if it's fourth and one, there's no doubt. He sends his jumbo package on the field. You try to get the one yard and you keep that drive uh, moving. But at, at fourth and two, I mean, that's up to the coach, and he knows his ball club. I, you know, you know the way it is when you're one and four. So everybody's going to come at you. I'm telling you, 
I'm sitting there at the press box it, it, during the game, and I thought, okay, you punt away, you get a three and out, you get good field position, and then go from there. But, you know, it didn't work out. It didn't work out for the Jets. Bottom line, they didn't make enough plays. And as you mentioned, this team doesn't think they're that far away. Uh, that's a 14-13 game in the third quarter. It's a 17-13 game at the beginning of the fourth quarter. They just have to find a way to make a couple key plays, and that will get them over the hump. So, Jets are 1-4. and four. You've started a couple times 1-4 and four and actually made the postseason uh, with two different teams, actually, with the Jets in 2002 and I believe with the Miami Dolphins as well. Here's some similarities for you. The Jets actually started the 2002 season in Buffalo, beating the Bills in week one by a 37-31 score. The Jets' only win so far this season is in week two, back in week two at Buffalo, by a 37-31 score. Uh, your memories of 2002 and what goes on inside a locker room when you're frustrated, you're losing, and it's early in the season. Well, here, here's exactly what went on in our locker room. At the time, we were one in four. People were complaining about play calling, whether it be inside the building or in uh, on the team or outside the building, uh, pointing fingers, uh, disgruntled, uh, frustrated, disappointed, uh, which is all understandable. But what changed our team was we changed our belief system, and, and we made a decision to say, look, coaches aren't trying to lose. It's their livelihood. They're trying to put us in the best positions to be successful. And if we don't believe in what we're doing, it does not matter who we're playing. We could have They could have eight guys out there on the field, and if we're not believing in what we're doing, we're not going to execute. And so we changed our belief system. Uh, we caught a little momentum by going to San Diego and beating them. And it was a 6-1 and one team coming off of a bye, and we throttled them. And from then on, our belief system, because it had changed, then our mindset changed, and then the result changed. And as a matter of fact, Eric, the play calling got more conservative. Uh, basically, all we did was hand it to Curtis Martin or we threw it to Lavernius Coles for the most part. Um, it was more conservative than it was when we were 1-4 and four and 2-5. and five. So uh, it's about belief system. It's about um, that synergy that you need to have as, as human beings forget being football players just as human beings and working together and not pointing fingers or saying well the defense did their job and the offense did and it has nothing to do with that it has to do with playing complimentary football if the offense needs a break and needs the ball back the defense has to get the ball back if the offense needs to stay on the field and give the defense a break defense uh, the offense needs to do that the kicking game needs to step up and make a couple plays that's what needs to happen that's that's why it's a team game and that's that's the biggest challenge for a team that's one and four is whether or not you're going to change your belief system and, and pull together and do everything you can uh, to be successful. And that may require some sacrifices. That may require certain players not playing as much or being asked to uh, perform a different role that they're not used to. If you're willing to do that, then you can pull yourself out of the situation. And Jets fans who are of our age, Chad, will have a retort and say, yeah, but you had Boy Wonder. You had Pennington in reserve there. He came in against Jacksonville and then make, makes the start the following week against Kansas City. And even though you lost that ball game against Kansas City, uh, 
against Kansas City. You showed something there, and the offenses started moving. Whereas the Jets, the current team, has their current pieces. Where uh, Todd Bowles has said, Ryan Fitzpatrick gives us the best chance to win right now. Well, and I agree with Coach Bowles. I think that he does, and I think that we did see some improvement. We saw a more efficient, consistent quarterback Sunday against the Steelers. Didn't get the result that the Jets wanted from a win standpoint, but you saw more consistent play. And I think I think if that play continues from the quarterback position and then all the other offensive parts chip in and do their part, then they can win games. Uh, you've got an Arizona team. Yes, it's tough to play in Arizona, go out the West Coast. But the Jets can beat Arizona. Um, you have a Baltimore Ravens team. Yes, they're doing well. That's at home. They can beat the Baltimore Ravens. They're having changed themselves in, in offense coordinator. So uh, there's some change going on there. So uh, there's no doubt that this team is capable of getting back to the four and four mark by the midpoint of the season. And guess where they were last year at the midpoint of the season? They were at four and four, uh, even when they started three and one. So they can reverse uh, their fortune here. And, uh, and and really get back into the hunt. But it certainly starts with their mindset and, the, and their belief system. What are your memories of uh, Herm uh, back at Hofstra, at old wee Bank Hall, saying, we play to win the game, when he was asked uh, multiple times in his press conference, basically, hey, what do you guys have to play for when they wrote you all off in 2002? Did you pay too much attention to that as a player? Did you go home and see the clip on SportsCenter? Because in today's, today's day and age, we'd see that on Twitter immediately. We'd see it on Instagram. <laughs> right. it, it, would, it would be out there within five seconds. But that was a different world back then in 2002. Well, at first, off, at first I think we all chuckled um, at Coach Edwards and, and his demeanor and, and just uh, you know, his response. But then I think it also sent a message to us that, hey, it's not about just evaluating players. It's not about just giving up on the season because the young guy's in. We're playing to win. That's what we're doing. That's what we get paid to do. And so I think that was a little bit of reinforcement for us to say, you know what, that's just nonsense to even have that mindset. Let's have a mindset of going out here and attacking and, and, and being better at what we're doing, and let's see what happens. So that's what we did, and then once we caught fire with that momentum, we win seven out of nine and win the AFC East. Yeah, well, one of the greatest uh, passing seasons in the history of this franchise, you were on fire throughout the whole 2002 campaign. Great memories of that one. Who has the upper edge uh, when you're talking about Bruce Arians, who is – the teacher, and Todd Bowles, who is a teacher now, but he was the student of Bruce Arians for so many times throughout their careers. Go back to Temple. Bruce Arians coached Todd, young Todd Bowles from Elizabeth, New Jersey, when he was in defensive backfield there playing for the Temple Owls. And then they obviously connected in the National Football League, and Todd was tremendous under Bruce Arians in his short time with the Cardinals, two, two years as defensive coordinator. He was the AP uh, NFL Assistant Coach of the Year following the 2014 season, obviously came here in 2015. What do you think goes into that chess match betwe between Bruce Arians and his offensive mind and Todd Bowles and his defensive mind? Well, I think it would be different if uh, Coach Bowles was with Coach Arians for 
10 years or, you know, that's all he knew was what Coach Arians uh, has done. But uh, he, he did play under Coach Arians and he coached with Coach Arians a little bit. So there's there's similarities there. They know each other, but it's not like that's all that Coach Bowles knows. He's been under uh, multiple schemes, multiple systems. His football knowledge is so uh, wide and he's been able to gather from so many men uh, in this game uh, that he's built himself uh, as his own coach. And so I'm sure there are things that uh, Bruce Aarons will remember that uh, Coach Bowles did while he was there as the defense coordinator and vice versa. Uh, Coach Bowles will remember things uh, offensively as well. So uh, needless to say, I think both teams will be prepared for each other. Um, defensively, I think the Jets uh, have to make sure um, there's two things here. The running game. They have an outstanding runner in Johnson. Uh, he, he's he's impressive. I watched him play. I mean, he really can get downhill and get north and south. A Marshall guy. Ability. A Marshall guy. Yeah. Well, uh, northern, northern Iowa. Northern you know? Iowa. That's right. Northern, northern Iowa, You know yeah. I was thinking about Marshall? You know what just brought it? Because I was going to transition a little bit to you guys uh, getting contributions from guys under the radar. Daryl Roberts showed up on the radar. Roberts, I thought yeah, he, I he played a great he game. Did, did some really good thing. Yeah. He really did, really did. No, but you're, you're right about did. the Northern. I'm sorry for interrupting you there because I was already looking ahead, but the Northern Iowa product, yeah, he's become a star in this National Football League. He really has. And so, uh, you know, uh, Arizona likes to match their running game with their down-the-field passing game. So that's going to be really important for those linebackers and, and secondary uh, defenders to, to be keen on that run but not get beat with that down-the-field passing game that matches that running game. I think that's a huge matchup there. Um, and then, you know, offensively, uh, you know, being able to uh, take advantage of, um, of their skill guys, the Jets being able to use Marshall, use Anunua, use the two backs, and then sprinkle in the other players, uh, Anderson, the tight ends, you know, sprinkle those guys in where they can make a few plays just to relieve a little bit of pressure. And Arizona does a great job of pushing the ball down the field and getting those chunk plays. So uh, the Jets have to be able to find a way offensively to find a few chunk plays too. Here's an interesting stat. The Cardinals have not scored – a point in the first quarter all season. And the Jets have scored conversely. You look on the other side, Jets have really moved the ball well. Reminds me of your days with Paul Hackett early on in those games when Paul used to script those plays. I remember every time you guys came out of the tunnel, you go up and down the field. Now, I know the Jets want to finish with touchdowns, no doubt about that, but they have scored on four of their opening five possessions. If they do that again and they hold Arizona down, be, you figure they'd be able to settle into this game. It's just finishing in the second half now for this club. Well, and that's that's the thing is is making sure you know when you play in Arizona, uh, it's one of those things where you've got to make sure that you weather the storm uh, in the first half and uh, you know get points on the board, but make sure nothing disastrous happens. And then as you move in the second half, now you get into the grind of the game. And now you can't be stymied like they were against Pittsburgh and really capitalize on some opportunities. And that's just going to come down to to players making plays. Uh, when you look at the Pittsburgh game, uh, there were plays to be made out there, and they just weren't made to keep drives alive. And that that's going to be a key uh, going into the second half against Arizona. Yeah, well, uh, my last thing for you here on the EA pod featuring Chad Pennington, 
any effect at all for a player, you guys are professionals, and most of these guys have been in planes throughout their entire careers, collegiate careers. Is there any impact going from the East Coast to the West Coast as a player? I actually enjoyed going from East to West. I couldn't imagine going from West to East and losing three hours, but I enjoyed going from East to West because I got an extra three hours of rest. I you know, recuperate a little bit um, and, and get ready to play. I did not mind that at all, especially when we went out on Friday. So, um, but you know, some people do think it's a little bit different. But I didn't mind going from East to West at all. There you go. That's Jeb Pennington. Uh, Jets, Cardinals, Monday night. Uh, the Jets defense, as Jad said, will have to contend with an emerging young player in David Johnson. And we know Bruce Arians likes to get that vertical passing game going with the Cardinals. Larry Fitzgerald's still there. Carson Palmer expected back from a concussion. They do have some line issues. They're shuffling some things up front as well. Conversely, uh, you look at the other side of the ball, the Jets have not played with Eric Decker for the past two games. They won't be playing with him uh, for the next bunch of games, and it could be the entire season here. Chad, as always, great analysis. We look forward to catching up with you next week after we get back, oh, in the early hours of Tuesday morning. <laughs> exactly. Safe travels.